Thank you for listening to the Motion City Church podcast. Believe your big risk will be rewarded. Believe what you ask for is possible. If you're ready to see a spark in your life, pray boldly, pray daringly, and pray with fire. This week, we're wrapping up our series called Dangerous Prayers. Let's listen in. Please forgive me. I know you want to use me to show your love in this world. Give me eyes to see needs of others and a heart that dares to get involved where you are working. God, my life is yours. Whatever you want, wherever you need, here I am, Lord. Send me. Once again, man, I'm so excited that you're with us this morning as we conclude our teaching series. I know, Ava, I'm sorry. I'll get over it quick. But uh, as we conclude our series this morning, Dangerous Prayers, uh, I really hope, and my prayer has been for this entire series, that um, through the, the prayers that we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks, that God would really have begun, whether it's in small ways or in big ways, to begin to challenge your prayer life, to begin to stretch your faith when it comes to praying. Because, man, if, if we're not careful, and if I'm not careful, we can begin to fall into kind of just predictable, safe benign, no faith type of prayers. And my hope and my prayer for my prayers and my prayers for your prayers is that they would be prayers that challenge our faith and challenge our dependency on God. And so over the last two weeks, if you haven't been with us, uh, we looked at two very specific prayers and two very dangerous prayers, and those are available online or on the app as well. Um, I'm not sure if you meant no, but we have an app. Also, not sure, did you know Easter's next week? All right. Um, but uh, you can listen, you can k- catch up with all that. But uh, the first week we looked at the prayer, God, would you search me? And last week we looked at the dangerous prayer, God, would you break me? Because the reality is on the other end of really allowing God to search us and know us like David prayed and to really pray, God, would you break me? Like we saw the woman who broke open her alabaster jar and poured out the perfume on Jesus' feet as we saw Jesus as his body was broken and his life was poured out as Paul prayed. He goes, man, my life is nothing but a drink offering being poured out to God. Then on the other side of God, truly searching and knowing us, on the other side of our lives being broken and poured out for God, there is an intimacy with God and a dependency on God that cannot be replicated or manufactured any other way. And so today, as we conclude our series, Dangerous Prayers, what we're going to be looking at is a prayer of availability. Because what I've begun to notice uh, over my years in ministry as we started this church, as I've been on staff at other churches, is whether uh, on the back of Connect Cards or whether it's through a prayer email line, which we have, if you, if you didn't know about that, we have a, 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 an email account directed for prayer requests. It's just motioncityprayer at gmail.com. And so if you have things you want us to pray for, you can just email them to us and we would love to pray for them. Um, but one of the things that I found out, one of the things that I've fallen into is that oftentimes as we receive these prayer requests, as we receive them through text messages and, and Facebook and all this, Usually what ends up happening is the prayer requests usually directly involve the person either submitting the prayer request or it's someone that they know or love. And, and, and they sometimes consist of this, God, would you do this for me? Would you heal my grandma? Would you help me get into this school? Would you help me get that raise at work? Would you help my marriage by fixing my spouse? And in no way am I saying you should not pray these prayers. I love what, what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He just says, never stop praying. 
So I love that. And so, but what I want us to, to begin to think about, what I want to challenge and encourage us with today is let's not simply limit our prayers to a checklist that we give God or a chore list we want him to accomplish, but let's begin to, to pray. And I don't want to say deeper prayers because I just don't want to, but let's just begin to move and, and into this realm of dangerous prayers. And so we're going to get into this last one. But um, our 35th president, uh, John F. Kennedy, is remembered for and remembered as a lot of different things. If you've known me for any amount of time, there's two things that I'm very passionate, three things that I'm very passionate about. Jesus, um, four things. It's, it's going to get longer. So Jesus, my family, um, history, and movies. I'm just a huge history and movie person. If you put history in a movie, I'm a happy camper. And, and so I love history and I love movies. And, and one of uh, President Kennedy's most famous quotes of all times, in my opinion, is this. It's going to be up on the screen. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. And, and we, if we could just leave that up. Uh, well, the reason I love this quote is because it's such a powerful idea and it's such an impactful reminder. Because what pa President Kennedy was doing in this season of our nation's history is he's reminding the American people that they have a role to play when it comes to making our country flourish. He's not simply saying it's up to us. He goes, I have a job to do too, but you have a job to do as well. If we want to see this country flourish, if we want to see this country be what it can, it's not simply up to us, but, and don't simply come and asking us what we can do for you, but really begin to see and ask and look for the things that you can do for your country. The reason I bring this up is because the prayer that we're going to be looking at kind of follows in the same flow in the same vein. And it's a dangerous prayer, a prayer of availability. And when it comes to our prayers, rather than simply praying, God, I need you to do this for me, what if we began to pray prayers more about what we could do for God? And so if I could just re-say President Kennedy's quote, don't ask simply what God can do for you. Begin to ask what you can do for God. It's a dangerous prayer. You're saying, God, I submit my life to you. Do whatever you want to do in me. Do whatever you want to do through me. Send me wherever you want to send me. My life is in your hands. And this prayer, for some of you today, I believe, will forever change the course, direction, and trajectory of your life. This could become, like we mentioned in week one, one of those anchor messages that decades later you, you, you think back on the direction and the path that your life chose, life went, and you will remember this message and to put my pride aside, not because I preached it, but because maybe for the first time today you're opening your heart and your life up to the Holy Spirit in a way that you never have before. Something inside of you will begin to stir. Being available to God, it will stir things and, and you'll begin to see things, opportunities that you used to see as inconveniences. God will begin to stir things in your heart that have never been stirred before. I believe that God will call some of you to a calling that, that has never been known before because you are available to God. I believe that God will in the same way re-reveal a calling for some of you today that was put on the back burner because life just got busy and life just got complicated. For some of you, God is going to put call you out of a place that you're really happy. 
He's going to call you maybe out of a job. He's going to maybe call you out of a relationship. He's going to call you out of a city, uh, a home that you're very happy with, that you're very content with. And he's going to call you to a place that you're like, why on earth would I go there? But because, God, I'm available to you, whatever you say and wherever you tell me to go, I'm going to trust you in that process. For some of you, he may call you to stay when you're very confident that you were supposed to go. For some of you, God may restore your heart in a way that is so significant that you will no longer be a cat person, but a God person. The possibilities today are literally endless of what God could do. The possibilities are just endless when we open up our lives. And one of the things that I know that as we begin to open up ourselves to God and being available to the things that God would have us, as you will begin to see things happen in your life, you'll begin to see situations differently, you'll begin to see people differently, you'll begin to see opportunities where you used to see inconveniences, and you won't have a boring moment in life because God will begin to use you in ways you never anticipated or expected. We begin to see the work that needs to be done. God, I'm yours. What can I do for you? Would you send me? And, and, and God's call in your life will become evidence, so evident that, as Bill Hybel says, it would be intergalactic spiritual treason for you not to respond. That's how they got me. Now, all throughout Scripture, if, if you're a Bible person, if you open up the Bible, all throughout Scripture, if you read from beginning to end, what you'll see throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament is you're going to see that God calls people. Now, what does this mean? It was one of the questions in, in, in our discussion time today. But when it comes to calling, what does it, it doesn't mean that God is going to call you on the phone. It doesn't mean that uh, he's going to send you an email to your inbox, although he may send phone calls and emails your way just being open and available. But what does it mean is it means that God is going to begin to move upon your heart about something or a situation in a way that your heart has never been moved to in, in, before. Uh, you're going to be able, you're going you're gonna to open up yourself, open up your life. He's going to lead you to different things. He's going to lead you to different people. You're going to begin to care about things that you didn't care about before. You're going to do what he wants done. And there's, and there's a lot of different responses that we see throughout Scripture that maybe we've seen throughout our lives when it comes to God's call. And I want to talk really quickly about three of those responses that will lead us to the dangerous prayer that we're going to look at. And so if you're taking notes, uh, three responses to God's call. The first one is this, and this was Jonah's response. Jonah said, well, here I am, God, but I'm not going. Here I am, God, but I'm not going. Ch- uh, Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah the son of that guy. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up, I love this, and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Jonah hears the call of God. And for his entire life, he said, here I am, Lord, but this time, he says, well, you found me, but I ain't going. I'm not doing it. I wonder how many times in your life and how many times in my life we've had similar experiences. We felt prompted to do something. We felt prompted to reach out. We've, we've been prompted to say something, to listen, to encourage, to give. We're supposed to help this person. And, 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 and we kind of begin to, to notice the, 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 the opportunity but we respond the same way as, as Jonah. It's like, well, yes, God, here I am, but I'm not doing it. Doesn't fit into my timetable. Doesn't fit into my schedule. 
God, do you realize how busy my life is? And if you really knew how busy my life is, why would you ask me to do this? And so how many of our responses are just like Jonah's where it says, you know, yeah, here I am, God, but I'm not going. I ain't doing it. The second response is the response of Moses where he's, Moses says, here I am, but you should send somebody else. Here I am, but, but really you should send somebody else. And, and, and in Moses' in Moses's case, he was talking about his brother because if you read the story of Moses, Moses had an issue with stuttering. He wasn't a good public speaker. But isn't it funny how God calls the one with the stutter to be the public speaker? And, and God, he, bring, he brings his brother Aaron before. He goes, you should call my brother. This isn't my perfect calling, God. This doesn't fit into my area of expertise. This doesn't fit into my talents because obviously, God, if you're going to call me, you're going to call me to something comfortable that I'm good at. You wouldn't challenge me in any way. You're not that kind of God. I love what it says in Exodus chapter 3. This is what God says. God says, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And I think that this is something that Moses would agree has to happen, okay? Like, like the people of Israel are enslaved to Egypt, and obviously, yes, this is something that needs to happen. This is something that Moses and the people of Israel would say, yes, we need this right now. But instead of saying, sure, God, I'll go, what Moses does is um, he begins to list off the reasons why he shouldn't. And he begins to list off the reasons as to why he can't. Moses says to God, who, who am I? Ever had that thought? Who am I? Every Saturday night, that's my thought. Who am I? Moses begins to bring, I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. Somebody else would be better than this than I am. But he, and, and so, God, here I am, but... but you should probably send somebody else. I'm not the right person. It's easy for us to do this, isn't it? We begin to look at our list of imperfections and begin to look at someone else's list of, of amazing qualities. But the beautiful thing about God is what he sees in our imperfections is opportunities. If we make our imperfections available to God, what he will do with those imperfections is create in them opportunities for us to be imperfect and to show other people that there is plans in the midst of imperfection that God can use broken things for great things. You may be, I mean, like, here's the, and this is what I was saying, like, I'm not going to give. They should be the ones to give. They've got more money. They've got a better career. They, they should be the ones to give more because I'm, man, I'm just a college student. We're going to part-time, part-time job. I shouldn't, man, it's not about perfection. It's about availability. Well, see, here's the deal, God. I can't do that because I don't have as much time. You should send that person. That person's a stay-at-home mom. They have all the time in the world. And all the stay-at-home moms come out with no makeup and their hair looking like a mess, wielding a knife because you just stepped on a toe. You know? You begin to think, man, she can do it. He can do it. They're better equipped. They've, they're more talented. They're better at this. This is their sweet spot. I don't have time for it. Here I am, God, but you need to send somebody else. Jonah said, I'm not going. Moses said, send somebody else. And, and Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, is the prayer that we're going to look at this morning, the very dangerous prayer. This is the prayer that I want to I encourage us to pray today. I want to challenge us to pray at the end of, uh, of service. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8 says this. This is what Isaiah says. He says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? 
Now, before we get into what Isaiah said, I know it's a, a spoiler because it's on the screen behind me. But let's, let's just do a little correlation based off what's on the screen and what's going on in our lives right now. Let's just be honest. I want, it, I want us to notice what Isaiah didn't say before he said this. What Isaiah didn't say was, where are you sending me? He didn't ask, is the climate nice? He didn't ask what the cost of living was. What's the pay range? Are there benefits? How much vacation do I get? Is it going to be easy? Is it going to be convenient? He doesn't ask any of those things. He didn't ask for any of that. Well, what he simply did is he essentially signed a blank contract to God, and he said, here I am. Send me. Here I am, God. Would you send me? And I think that I used to hear messages about this when I was in youth ministry, and, 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 and when I was in youth ministry, and I was a youth pastor, and I used to try and hype this message up so much that it would kind of be this victorious uh, people of Israel going around Jericho, and then the trumpets would blow, and then it's just like this monumental, like, arena-type preaching moment where, like, Hillsong United begins to play, and everyone throws up their hands, because that's what you do when Hillsong United plays, and it's like, in, or like Carrie Job does with that song that Carrie Job does that makes everybody cry, and it's like this moment, this emotional moment, and all of a sudden it's like, it's like, nah! like, Braveheart-esque Christian moment. But as I've gotten older, I really don't think it was anything like that. I think it was more of, as we're going to find out, Isaiah seeing a problem. And God is presenting Isaiah with an opportunity. And, and I think less of it being this Braveheart arena-filled moment. I think it was just Isaiah going, all right. I'm, okay, I'm here, God. You can use me. This this prayer of availability. But as we really look at it, we can begin to see how dangerous of a prayer it is. I want to challenge you this morning. I want to dare you. My hope is to motivate you to pray a very similar prayer. Here I am, God. I'm available. You have my permission to interrupt me. You want me to go somewhere, I'll go. You want me to stay somewhere, I'll stay. You want me to say something to somebody, I'll speak. If you want me to simply be quiet and pray, I'll pray. If you want me to give, up, give something away, if you want me to use my time, whatever you need me to do, whatever it is, God, here I am. I'm completely yours, and I'm completely available. I'm your servant. Here I am. Send me. An incredibly dangerous prayer because, again, when we start praying it, I guarantee you God's going to interrupt you. I guarantee you God's going to mess with your schedule. I guarantee you God's going to begin to prompt you and he's going to begin to move you. And all of a sudden, you're going to begin to recognize, maybe for the first time, that God has a lot of work for us to do. Man, if we are followers of Jesus, if we have given him our whole lives, if we say, search me and know me, God, would you, would you break me and would you pour me out? And would you send me, man, we will begin to see that there is not a day that goes by in the Christian vocabulary where boring exists. When we begin to pray, here I am, send me, we'll begin to see not just the work, but we'll see the opportunities. So how do we get there? 
How do we get that kind of attitude before God? How do we fully surrender our lives to God? And I want to I wanna try and answer that this morning. And as we looked at Isaiah 6, 8, what I want us to look is at the verses that lead up to the surrendered prayer from the prophet Isaiah. And, and so what do we need to do to be fully surrendered to God? And there are, are three things that I see in this passage of Scripture. And if you're taking notes, I hope you write these things down because, again, better notes, better property in heaven. I'm just saying. You don't want that Thomas property, whereas you want, the, you want the Apostle Paul property that's like next to Jesus. You and Jesus could share a pool. That's not theological at all, so sorry, Jesus. If you want a pool, you can have a pool, but I just, anyway. Uh, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, you need a genuine experience with the presence of God. You need a genuine experience with the presence of God. Verse number one in, in Isaiah 6 says this said, it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. And he was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah saw the presence of God. It's, he saw God in all of his majesty and all of his glory. And the text goes in to describe in detail what he began to saw. He saw these angelic beings called seraphim, and all these angelic beings were worshiping and praising the living God. And they were crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is he. When Isaiah saw the presence of God, when he experienced the glory of God, it completely transformed who he was. Why is it that you might not be very available to God this morning? Perhaps it's because you haven't really experienced the presence of God in the way that he is hoping and anticipating and desiring you to know him. You can come to church Sunday morning and feel a few goosebumps and walk out and not be any different, but God's saying, when you meet me, you're different. When you experience my presence, something changes. Your attitude changes. Your heart changes. Your mind changes. The presence of God brings us to a deeper place of, of real submission. God, I've just been with you, and I am your servant. Anything you want me to do, I'll do. In fact, the Scripture teaches that as we draw near to God, he draws near to us. It could literally be I love this, how God works. It, it, drawing, it can literally be in your car. I had so many moments like this throughout this week where this one song came on on my, on my Spotify mix, and I just, man, I had to put it on repeat because there was something about the words of this song that were ministering to me and speaking to me in such a way that, man, I had to listen to it for hours and hours on end because, man, in my, my 96 Toyota, uh, Toyota Acura, I was just experiencing the presence of God that, man, I, I haven't felt in so long. And so, like, man, I had to go to the grocery store, and I had to go to Target and Jeanette stuff to sell online. I mean, I was just driving around annoying my wife because I had to be home so she could sell something because our children escape every time the door opens. It's like a zoo at my house. But, uh, but man, I just wanted to drive because, man, I was experiencing the presence of God in such a tangible and real way. And, man, he was speaking things into me. And then I remember I came here, and I had to deal with some, some speaker stuff and some, some stuff that we left or whatever. And all of a sudden, and I put this on Facebook, and, and, and all of a sudden, like, I'm, like, trying to apologize for something. And one of the janitors at the school who's a Christian who's been one of the guys who's helped us load in and out, he's been our, our engineer, all of a sudden, man, he shakes my hand, and he just begins to pray over me. Like, just moving in this obedience of spirit moment where it's like, okay, God. And then he just, like, says, okay, have a good day. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not leaving. So I need to get my earbuds in. I need to stay at the spot because in this moment, God is doing something. I am feeling. And not just feeling because here's the deal. Your feelings are liars. Your feelings lie to you. But when your feelings match up with who God is in his presence and in his perfection, man, you, it changes you. 
It moves you to a place that you've never been before. Man, I, ask, I get the question so many times from, from junior hires and high school students and college students and, 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 and young professionals and parents and, and, and more experienced people than me. Man, why am I not experiencing the presence of God like I used to? And, and the answer that I have is, man, are you available to him? Are you available to God? If I want to experience the positive presence of my wife, I need to be available to her. The same thing goes with God, man. If I want to experience God, I got to be available to Him. Maybe you haven't sought after Him in a while the way that you should. But let me tell you this when you experience His presence, He will change you, He will transform you. The second thing is, you need a genuine awareness of your sinfulness. This is a big one. This is one we don't like to talk about. But we need to have a genuine awareness of our sinfulness. In fact, I'm going to argue that the biggest cultural lie that we believe today is that I'm a good person. Or they're a good person. She's a good person. He's a good person. They have a good heart. They, she's got a good heart. He's got a good heart. And let me just tell you this. Without Christ, you are not a good person. Without Jesus, your heart is not good. This is who I am without Jesus. I am a horrible, pathetic, evil sinner in the eyes of God. Welcome to Motion City Church. We're here to make you feel good. You know, it's just like, I mean, it's, it's not a popular thing because who wants, to, who wants to relish in the fact that we're not as great as we think we are? Or maybe we're not as great as the, as the high school graduation cards told us we were. You know? But... It, we have, I mean, we're coming up on Easter, and Easter is just that, that understanding of what God gave, the cost that God, the price that God paid for us to change us, to transform us, to save us. And what do we need to be saved from? So often it's us. We need to be saved from us. Steve needs to be saved from Steve. And so I know who I am without Christ, and it's not great. You would not be here <laughs> if it was just me and all my awful things. You just wouldn't be here. We are wicked. We are evil. We are sinners. We are detestable in the eyes of God outside of Christ. And Isaiah has this moment where God, he's in the presence of God. He experiences God in all of his glory, but then the response is he realizes he has a revelation of his own wickedness. He has a moment where he recognizes his own unrighteousness, a genuine awareness of his sinfulness in the presence of God. In verse 5, Isaiah responds to God's righteousness by saying this. I love this. He says, it's all over. It's all over. I'm doomed. For I am sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among pe a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. What does it take to get to a place where we are fully surrendered to God? Where we pray, here I am, God, would you send me? It takes a genuine experience with God's presence, and it takes a genuine awareness of our sinfulness. But isn't it amazing how God doesn't simply just leave us there? And point number three is this. You need a genuine understanding of God's grace. Grace changes everything. 
Grace changes everything. When you understand, when I begin to understand how amazing God's grace is, it brings us to a point of full surrender. Verse 6 says this. I love this. Verse 6 says this. Then one of the seraphim, that's if you, if you look at the, it's one of the angelic beings uh, that, that's crying out, holy, 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 seraphim, that's, that's their name, flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips and with it, Touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. With one touch from the goodness of God, Isaiah goes from being broken and doomed and hopeless to having purpose and life and salvation. He, his sins are forgiven. They're completely atoned for. I mean, can you imagine, I mean, really, like, if we really begin to understand the power of grace and what God's grace has done for us, it changes everything. But it doesn't simply change everything for us. It compels us and should drive us to be this change advocate for other people's lives. I love what, what First Corinthians talks about, that we are agents of reconciliation. We have not experienced simply to receive, but we have received to respond. We have been, we have received to be sent out. We have been, we have received so that we would be available to God. When we understand God's grace, it transforms everything. The same way that the coal touched Isaiah's lips and removed his guilt, removed his sin, the blood of Jesus covers our sins. When we recognize that we don't bring anything to the table, I mean, think about that. You bring nothing. I bring nothing. You ever gone to a party and not brought something when you knew you were supposed to? You know that feeling? That's life. You know what I mean? Like, we brought no dip to the party. We forgot the guacamole. We were in charge of all the chips, and we didn't bring them. It's like Thanksgiving and all of a sudden realizing that morning, oh, shoot, I was supposed to make the food. We bring nothing to the table. But Jesus brought everything. When we sense God's presence, when we're aware of our sinfulness, and then when we experience the unmatched, undeserved grace of God through Jesus. In my opinion, the only reasonable, rational response is here I am. Send me. Anything you want, God, I'm yours. I want to, this morning, I want to close with a story. Quick story. Um, I want to close, yeah, I want to close the story. In old school, back in the day at church, and some churches still do this, but there was like one door. Like maybe you've been to like your grandma's church and there was like one door. And at the end of the service, the one door was designated like no one was leaving until the pastor was there. Because I just love this, and that's why I try and get to the door as quickly as I can. But, like, I loved you. You would walk by, and you would, we just do this at, our, at my grandma's church uh, at Christmas Eve. And we would leave the door, and the pastor would be there, and he would shake everyone's hand, and everyone would, would, would feed his ego. So that's kind of why, really more why I stand back at the door. But, uh, yeah, but it was just like, you know, hey, great sermon, Pat, da 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 and, and it was just, and I think now being a pastor, it's just an opportunity. Man, I, I, I hate when people slip in and slip out. 
It's so much, life is so much better knowing you're known. And I want, you to, I want you to know that here we want you to be known because you're worth it. And so uh, the story is this pastor, he would stand at the back door and he'd be shaking somebody's hand and there was an, an older gentleman who, who came up and, and at the end of one service just came up and, his, and he, he was just streaming tears and he, and he shook his hand. He goes, Pastor, that was an incredible sermon. That was an amazing sermon. It ministered to me in such a great way. And he, he asked... Um, he, he asked the pastor a question. Or he said, he made a statement, then he asked a question. The old man would come up and he would say, that was an amazing ser- service, pastor. That was an amazing message. The answer is yes. Now what's the question? The pastor kind of was confused and he goes, well, I'll have to think about it. I'll have to get back to you. And the guy would leave and then come back the next week and same thing, shake his hand at the, at, as he was exiting and tears streaming down his face. And he goes, pastor, that was an amazing an amazing message. It was an amazing sermon. It touched me in such, in such an amazing way. I just want to let you know the answer is yes, so what's the question? And the pastor was just as confused the second week as he was the first week. You'd think in seven days, you'd think, but I mean, and so, I'll, so he goes, well, you know what? I'll, I'll get back to you next week. And so the guy says, okay. So he leaves and next Sunday comes and same thing happens. Pastor, that was an amazing message. Tears streaming down his face. He goes, I want you to know that the answer is yes, so what's the question? And so the pastor said, hey, how about we meet tomorrow for coffee? We'll meet for breakfast, and we'll have coffee. And, and, and he was, I mean, after three weeks, I would be curious too. And so they got together for breakfast. They were having coffee, and the pastor sitting down, and he goes, I just have to ask you a question. What's with this whole, the answer is yes, so what's the question thing? And the guy over breakfast, because they were men, steak and eggs and potatoes, because I'm just super hungry right now. Uh, but the man got really emotional once again. And tears began to run down his face. And he goes, Pastor, before I answer that question, I need you to understand this. He goes, I was really, a really, really, really messed up and bad person. And he went through the whole list of how he was an addict and how he neglected his wife. And he neglected his kids. And his kids were in really, really bad shape because they're marriage was in a really, really bad shape because he was in really, really bad shape. And he goes, and I came to church one week because my wife said, if I didn't go to church, she'd leave me. He goes, so I came to your church and I was in such bad shape and you preached a message. And when you did it, it's like God opened my eyes and opened my heart and I saw life for what it was and I saw Jesus for who he is. And so I called in the name of Jesus. And he said, the thing is, I'm a different person now. He goes, you can ask my wife. You can ask my kids. He goes, I am different. I am not the same. Nothing's the same of who I am now to who I used to be. Everyone will tell you I'm a, per- I'm a different person because of Jesus. And he said, Pastor, what I need you to understand is this. The answer is yes for whatever you need. It's 2 a.m., you want me to mow the yard of the church, I'll mow the yard of the church. You want me to go visit somebody in the hospital, I'll go visit somebody in the hospital. You want me to pray for something, I'll pray for something. I'll give whatever I can. I'll go wherever you send me. God has so transformed my life, I want you to know that I'm all in. The answer is yes. Now what's your question? How do we get to a place where you have the courage to pray this prayer? And the scary part is when you pray this prayer, you don't know the details. 
You don't know the outcome. You don't know the destination. But you pray it. Not because I tell a story at the end of a message, but you pray it because Jesus has so touched your life in a way that the only logical response is whatever you need, God, I'm available to you. I want to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes this morning. And, and, and this, you can see why this is the most dangerous of the three. To be totally honest, it's the scariest one for me to preach as a pastor because some of you might actually pray it and leave. <laughs> but this is the prayer. I want you to know this. Search me and know me, God, week one. That was a prayer that changes you. Break me, God. I begin to see that as the prayer that kind of breaks the environment around you. Like the woman who broke the alibi, it changed the environment. This is the prayer that changes the world. This is the prayer that changes the world. And so what I'm going to ask you, with heads bowed, eyes closed, is really a question is if Jesus has done something in your life and with no one looking around, would you say, yeah, this is my prayer. God, here I am. Would you send me? Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Yep. Yep. Heavenly Father, I just, God, I'm so amazed God, is, is, it's such a, you get such a bum rap because it's a week before Easter and I just begin to, begin to think about, God, really what you gave and, and what you sent in my place. And so, God, first just forgive me for that. But, God, I'm just so amazed that you sent something and someone for me. God, you sent someone, you sent Jesus for the world what my, my, my three-year-old is telling me every day is that, God, you love the world so much that you gave your one and only son. That whosoever would believe in you would not perish but have everlasting life. And I love that you, you didn't send your son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God, you sent Jesus on a rescue mission because we were drowning and we were dying and we were helpless and we were hopeless. But Jesus, you're not physically here anymore. And so you've called us, you've purposed us, you've commissioned us. And so God, you see the hands that were raised today. Father, I ask, God, that you would just begin in this moment by the power of your Holy Spirit to begin to transform them from the inside out. Father, there would be no, like Chad, uh, Chad prayed months ago, God, that there are no inconveniences, just opportunities. God, would you change the way we see things? Would you change the way we see people? Would you change the way that our heart beats for people? Would you change the way our heart breaks for people? Would you change the way we pray? God, not would you do that for them, but God, if you want to send me, you can send me. God, if you want to use me, you can use me. I'm all yours. And so, God, would you just begin to move in this place right now? 
Holy Spirit, would you just begin to move upon hearts? Would you begin to move upon situations and lives? God, this is, this is scary. I don't want to deny that. It's scary. But God, may our lives not be lived in reaction, but in response of what you gave and who you are. And so, Father, my prayer for me, my prayer for this church, my prayer for my, my family is, God, we're here. Whatever you want. It's up to you. We'll go. We'll trust you. Just really feel a, a sense in this moment that the Holy Spirit's doing something pretty significant. And I don't want to break it. Um, if you got little kids, I'll go watch your kids after. So I don't know if that is what that says, but I'll go watch your kids if you just want to stay and hang. But Elena, if, would you be willing to come up and help me out? Elena's just going to play in the background, and, and here's, what, here's what I want. If God's working, if you're doing what Moses did right now, and you're beginning to list off all the reasons of why you can't, can I just ask you to shut up? And just let God begin to speak into your life as to every reason why he can. These are moments too good and regrettably often too seldom. And so what I just want to invite, what I want to open up for you to do is to just sit and to just be in the presence of God. As the Holy Spirit, I believe, is working, as he's revealing a calling to some of you, to some, for some of you, I believe what he's doing is he's beginning by his grace and his mercy to kind of wear out that excuse that you keep giving him <laughs> of why you can't, of why you shouldn't, of why you should send somebody else. And maybe this is the moment, maybe, where just in the stillness and quietness of this moment, you experience, maybe for the first time, the tangible, unexplainable, undeniable presence of God. And so God, like we pray at the beginning of every, every service as we pray as we're planning all this stuff, God, would you just do what you want? Father, the scripture reminds me of just be still and know that I am God. So in this moment, Father, we just create space to be still. Holy Spirit, would you do the ministry that only you can do, that you desire to do, that you want to do. And when you're done, you can go. just want to remind everybody, not sure if we've mentioned it, but Easter's next week. It's going to be a great Sunday. It's going to be a great day of celebration, remembrance. It's going to be awesome. But can I just invite you in this moment to just be. And as God has done, be blessed. Have a wonderful week. Be encouraged. Be available. So once again, we love you. Thanks for loving us so well. In your name I pray. Amen.
Once again, thank you for listening to the Motion City Church Podcast. We want to be able to walk with you and beside you as you go throughout life. So if you ever have a need for prayer, we want to be able to pray with you. Please email us at motioncityprayer at gmail.com. We would also love to have you join us in person next week. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at Falwell School of Performing Arts. We hope you have a fantastic week.